morning and welcome. There we go. If you have a Bible, please turn to Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. As you know already, today is Graduation Recognition Sunday. It is the season of special ceremonies, of open houses, and uh, graduation speeches, which are always a pleasure. Uh, This is a typical time of year where we give parting words of wisdom to young people who are starting a a new chapter. And uh, we're hopeful that they have ears to hear. During my time as a youth pastor, we would have a senior banquet every year. And it was during that time where we would we would intentionally take a few minutes at that banquet and try to say a few things that uh, might be helpful. We also write a few things to them that they could take with them that, that might be helpful. And for some, words of wisdom, um, words of wisdom fall on deaf ears. You've probably experienced this, where, where you know the truth, and uh, you express the truth to someone, and they don't receive that truth. Uh, and you know it's right, and you know it's good for them, but they just don't listen to you for some reason. Right? They don't embrace, they don't follow the instructions. And when we do that with the Word of God, we find out that um, the consequences of that are, are not so great. But there are others who do have ears to hear. And this has been my experience with some of our students. They have ears to hear, that they hold on to these truths and they orient their lives around those truths. And they are blessed because of it. And that's not to say that everything works out right in their life. It doesn't mean they make every right decision ever. But, but it means that their, their lives are decidedly Godward. And God is honored by that. And their lives bear witness to that. Though not set in the context of a, a graduating uh, student, uh, Solomon here in Proverbs Uh, takes multiple opportunities to to speak to his son and call his son to embrace wisdom. Actually, in the first nine chapters, he makes ten what are called paternal appeals. And you can see it in your Bible when it'll say, my son. And in chapter four, he makes three of those appeals just in this one chapter. It is from a father to a son. Now, Solomon is not your father. He's not my father, right? We're not his son. So this text is, in a sense, not specifically written to me. But what we can understand with the scriptures is that God the Father has given to us his word as his children. And so today we hear these words not as the son of Solomon, but the beloved adopted son of God, if you have come to him in Christ. So this morning, as we look at Proverbs, we want to spend time in chapter 4. And chapter 4 shows us the only path into life, and that's through Christ. One writer breaks chapter 4 down into three sections, and it's the three appeals. And it's how to get started, how to keep going, and how not to get lost along the way. If life is a path, if life is a journey, how do we get started? How do we keep going? And how do we not get lost along the way? For our time this morning, we, we want to look at verses 27 through 20, 20 to 20, 27. And, and look at what it means when, when we, we say these words, how not to get lost. Or we could say how to maintain a heart of wisdom. 
Uh, before we go any further, though, I want to offer a couple words of, of caution for you as a listener this morning. It, it may be easy for you to zone out because it's graduation Sunday and you realize uh, you're not a graduate, right? You're not the graduating class of 2018, uh, so maybe this, this isn't for you. Your, your graduation years are a few, a few years behind you. But I want to invite you to resist that temptation and instead to lean in and to hear the words of wisdom from Solomon. Others of you might, might think something like, at some point this morning, this really would have been good for me like 20 years ago. Or I wish I would have known this when I was 18. I wish somebody would have told me this. And so you might get that mentality of, well, ship sailed. So I'm, I'm, I'm where I am. <laughs> well, I, I want to invite you to, to say, uh, to, to, to understand this. First of all, uh, for some of us, we did hear this. We did hear this when we were 18. Uh, we were told words of wisdom. And for some of us, we ignored it. Some of us, we despised it. Some of us rejected it. And our lives have, have shown evidence of that. But nevertheless, today is a new day. You're still alive. You still have lung, air in your lungs. Your life is not over. You can make better choices even today. Uh, still others here might be thinking, uh, this is for the kids. This is beyond me. I'm, I'm past these kind of instructions. Um, and, and I want to again caution you, invite you, that you're never too old. You're never too old to learn. You're never too old to, to hear wisdom. In fact, Eugene Peterson writes this, that the greatest errors in the spiritual life are not committed by novices, but, it, but by adepts or experts. He says the greatest capacity for self-deceit in prayer comes not in the early years, but in the middle and late years. Take heed to the wisdom of Solomon. But also, this morning is not just about instruction. In fact, our gatherings are not primarily only about instruction. It's not about giving you uh, principles to learn. It's about us looking at a person to worship. And so today, you might say, I've heard all this before. Okay, good. Now let's ask, how is that leading us in a life of worship? If this is new to you, then listen in, and may God give us grace. And that's actually where Solomon begins in verse 20, with an appeal to listen. And when he says, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear to my sayings. First of all, he says, my son. So my, he's personal. Son, he's relational. And this is true of God too. God is a personal God and he's a relational God. God is not outside of your life. He is not above your life. He is with you. He is going with you in this life and he wants you to follow him in it. My son, be attentive. This is a common common thing for Solomon to, to invite his son to be attentive, to listen to his words. Incline your ear. Have you ever heard someone say, can I bend your ear? That's what this is. Bending, extending, listening in, paying attention. Verse 21, let, not, let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. Don't let this wisdom, these words, escape your sight. Don't, don't lose them. Hold on to them. Keep them in your heart. We'll talk about keep in just a second. But your heart, the Bible talks a lot about your heart. 
Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Psalm 119, 11, hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess through your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Solomon is saying to his son, don't neglect wisdom. Don't neglect my words. Pay attention. Listen in. Don't be deaf. Don't ignore it. Don't neglect it. Charles Bridges says it this way, a neglected Bible is the melancholy proof of a heart alienated from God. A neglected Bible is proof of a heart alienated from God. If you want to know wisdom, know God. If you want to know God, know his word. Verse 22 says, For they are life to those who find them, these words, and healing to all their flesh. Solomon is saying to his son, This is good for you. This is good for your body. This is good for your soul. These these words, these truths, this wisdom. Listen to them. And he moves right into verse 23, which could be the, the thesis or the main point, the main part of this section. Uh, maybe a, a common or known verse, um, one of the most known verses in this chapter. And he says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. Let me give you a, a couple of variant readings of that. Guard your heart above anything else you have because it determines the kind of life you will live. Or this, the heart is the starting point of activities in life. It determines the course of life. In a paraphrase, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Keep your heart Watch over your heart. Preserve your heart. To to understand this idea of keep or guard or preserve, think of something that you value. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's a particular possession. Maybe it's a family member. uh, Maybe it's your finances. Whatever the case is. Then think about how you handle, how you treat that. What, what steps you take to ensure that that's okay, that that's protected, that that's going gonna to make it. See, what we value, we protect. And what Solomon is saying here is that our hearts are valuable. So there's a, a, a plea, an urging, a command to protect that heart. It's worth guarding because the implications are life-altering. If we do not protect our heart, what comes out has significant implications to our life. Guard your heart. Well, what is our heart? Do we, what do we mean? We don't mean the organ. You should guard your organs, but that's not what Solomon is talking about here. He is talking about the idea of, of your mind, the idea of your innermost being. Warren Wearsby calls this the master control, or another commentator, the center of one's inner life in orientation to God. 
it's the central control of your being. It's what drives you. It's out of that that you make decisions. You live out of your heart. That's how you function. Whether you think about that or not, that's what's happening. You live out of your heart. So as your heart goes, so goes your life. Guard your heart with all diligence or vigilance. That means be purposeful, be intentional, be careful. Make it a priority. And why? Solomon goes on, because out of the heart flows the springs of life. Because it determines the kind of life you'll live. Because it determines the course of your life. So life flows from your heart. This is no small thing. Our actions are indicators of our heart. What we do says something about our heart. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This means that one's heart condition can be observed by one's choices. We live out of our heart. Do you know your heart? Do you know it? How could you guard it if you do not know it? Maybe, maybe a question would be this. Do you know the sins that so easily beset you? Do you know the things that your heart is most tempted toward, most drawn towards? Do you know the idols that you want more than God? You ought to know that because I will guarantee you, Satan knows that. He knows, he knows how to tempt. He knows how to lure. That's what he does. He's a deceiver. And he'll only deceive you with that which you desire most. Again, Charles Bridges, the heart is the vital part of the body. A wound here is instant death. It is the spring of the soul, the fountain of action, the center and seat of principle, both of sin and of holiness. So our choices of sin come out of the same heart that our choices for holiness come out of. That's why we must be on guard, be diligent. From our heart flows our actions. So a quick question is, what steps have you taken to guard your heart? Solomon goes on to show what flows out of that heart. And he identifies three areas. First is the lips in verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means that our mouths, our words, are an outlet of our heart. The, the way we talk says something about our heart. Let that sit with you for a minute. The way we use our words says something about our heart. You don't have to live long to realize that words have power and that words spoken cannot be retrieved. Many of us have learned that the, the hard way. With our tongues, we bless and we curse. James 3, these things ought not to be so. 
Paul says in Ephesians that this new life in Christ means that we use our words to build people up, to administer grace to the hearer. Do you know that you'll be held account for your words? You are accountable for the words that you speak, the words that you use. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, not long after in Matthew's account, that he uses that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that, that verse, just a few verses later. He says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. All the more that we hear the admonition in James to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And might it be that our careless words are not just limited to those spoken, but those written. Social media, on emails, text messages, we're accountable for those words too. Two prayers that we might join David in praying are these. Oh God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. These would be good morning prayers for all of us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How is your heart and what do your words portray about your heart? Solomon moves on to the eyes in verse 25. Let your eyes look directly before you and your gaze straight before you, directly before you, right on, forward, not backward, straight before you. It's not looking around, looking straight. There's an intentionality of, of, of the eyes. What, what I'm looking at is influencing what I'm doing. You can think of an example of Lot's wife, right, who was told, look ahead, don't look back. It'll be bad for you. What does she do? She looks back as they're fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, and she is judged for her disobedience. She's killed. Or even, even Eve, who was distracted from the command of God by the forbidden tree. She was distracted in choices, bad choices were made. Not to beat up on women, Achan in John, Joshua chapter 7 was distracted by the, the devoted things. He wanted what it was not his, and he took it. And it had great consequences, and not just to him. And here's a great truth for you. Your choices don't just affect you. Your choices have long-ranging effects that you cannot control. It's been said, you can make choices, but you cannot control the consequences. What we look at is no small thing. As it was true for Eve and Achan and Lot's wife, we are led into sin when our eyes are not fixed on God, when they're not fixed on Jesus. We, what we look at has a profound influence on what we think, on what we desire, and what we do. What are you looking at? Jamie Smith says this, you are what you love. What's informing your loves? What's forming you? You're being formed. We're all being formed. Our children are being formed. Our young people are being formed. You're being formed. The question is, what is forming you? Who is forming you? And to desire what? To love what? What you look at 
has a profound influence on what you desire. A distracted gaze can lead to regrettable choices. Ask King David. But Saul makes a declaration in Philippians chapter 3 when he says this, not that I've already attained, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it known, my own, because Jesus Christ has made it his own. Brothers, do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, here he goes, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Eyes forward. Eyes forward. What are you looking at today? He moves on to the third implication of our feet. Ponder the path of your feet, and in all your ways be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Ponder. Think about. Pay attention. Give thought and attention to where you're walking and what you're doing. Staying on the path is evidence of a heart of wisdom. Staying on the path means that you're paying attention to what you ought to be doing. Now, there may be some here this morning that would say, I've gotten lost along the way. If this passage is about how to stay on the path and how not to get lost, here's the truth. Some of us have gotten lost. And here's the good news for you this morning. The way of Jesus is open to those who will heed God's word. God isn't an angry father saying, no, no, no. You screwed up. There's no no grace for you now. You got too far off the path. You're not allowed back on. One and done. Three strikes, you're out. No, no, no. That's not how our father works. Our father is the prodigal father in Luke 15 who does not wait for the son to repent before he goes to him. Maybe you've lost the way. Hear the the words of the prophets. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Or Isaiah, in your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right, when you turn to the left. Or Jesus' words himself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Following Jesus is a daily decision. If you will hear God's word, his way is open to you. Friend, it is open to you today. Brother and sister, we are one heart decision away from destroying our life ponder the path of your feet. Oh, how quickly we get off the path. Oh, how quickly we are distracted by the things around us. Keep your heart with all diligence. God commands us. God commands us to do many things. And here we have a command to keep our heart and to follow him. But you know as well as I do, You know as well as I do that the problem is that we can't do that. That most of us would be ready to admit, and it's true for all of us, that we haven't. We haven't kept the commands. We haven't kept our heart with all diligence. We haven't kept on the the path. We haven't guarded our eyes. We haven't put away speech from our mouth. We know that, that that's true. 
The problem is we can't. No one can. But that's actually kind of the point. That's the point of the law. That's the point of the commands. Is to tell you that you can't do it. And therefore, there's a need for help. You see, if you could actually do it on your own, what would be the point of redemption? What would be the point of Jesus? He would be completely unnecessary. But the reality is this, is that you cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on our own. We need help. And God, in his great love for you and me, sent us a helper. And not just a helper, but a savior. And not just an example, but an enabler. He did what we could not do, so that now in him, we can do what God told us to do. It's not in our wisdom, it's not in our ability or strength, but his. It's by his grace. It's by his grace that we both believe and obey. It's not that just God's grace is enough to get you saved and then you go work real hard. No, no, no. God's grace is for your salvation and your sanctification. We do this by looking at the one who did. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us if we're going to run this race with endurance, the only way we do it by looking to the one who has already run the race. Eyes forward. Don't be distracted. In John chapter 7, Jesus may have had in mind Proverbs 4.23 when he says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his mouth will flow rivers of living water. There'll be evidence of it. There'll be evidence of the one who has drunk the water, or drank the water, of what comes out. The, the rivers of living water can only flow from a heart that has been filled with the water. So the invitation is to come and drink. If you've never, if you've never done that, the invitation today is to come and drink. That is to say that if you've never come to Christ in repentance and faith, if you've never come to him, come today and see him. See him as the savior you so desperately need. The son of God who forgave your sins on the cross and through repentance and faith saves your soul from hell. Come to him. Drink of this water. And from a heart filled with this water will flow rivers of living water. Ray Ortland says this, true life does not flow into us from external circumstances. It flows out of us from the internal fullness of the Holy Spirit, only made possible in salvation. For those who have come to Christ, for those who have drank of these waters, it is from a full heart a heart full of the gospel of Jesus, that rivers of life come. What do we mean? We mean a life that's saturated by the gospel. We mean a a life where our actions are transformed by what Christ has done. We mean that there are blessings of God for us and toward others. So the question is, in light of all this, how, how will we live? How will you live? Will you commit today to guard your heart by grace? that the kind of life you live will honor Christ? Ray Ortland has a great passage as he concludes his text, his writing on, on Proverbs 4. And he says this, that, 
that we each have a, he tells the, the, the congregation to hold up their hand and recognize that with that hand, you, you have done many things. You have sinned. You've done evil and you've done good. But God actually died for that hand. Not just the sins that have been committed by that hand, but that actual hand. Meaning that God is redeeming everything. He's redeeming your whole person. He's redeeming the whole world. And when Romans chapter 8 talks about the freedom that will come, the freedom of the glory of the children of God, you're included in that. That's Romans 8. And if you are in Christ, that massive liberation will include you and all of you in everything about you. And he asks this question, how can you then give yourself over to stupidity now? You were you saved, you were redeemed to be part of God's new creation. That's the path. That's your destiny. Christ has set you apart to himself. And Christ has the final say in your life. And his purpose of grace is dawning in you now. End quote. Don't waste your life. You were made for more. Don't waste your life with the trivial things of this earth. C.S. Lewis says we are far too easily pleased with the things of this earth. You're made for more. Guard your heart that out of it will flow rivers of life. Far too many of us have looked back on life with much regret. We've left our path. The invitation is today, by grace, you're welcomed home. You're welcome to, to join again on the path as we seek to pursue Christ by keeping our heart with all diligence. We'll end with these five questions from Warren Wearsby. What comes into your ears? Solomon begins by saying, pay attention and listen. What are you listening to? What is within your heart? Are you guarding that? Be careful about what you're allowing into your heart. What is upon your lips? What you say, what does that portray about your heart? What is before your eyes? Would you covenant with Job in Job chapter 31 not to look at things that you ought not to look at? What is beyond my path? Where are you headed? What's the end result of the path that you are living today? Solomon calls his son to follow in obedience. Jesus followed God in obedience. Now we who are in Christ can follow God in obedience as well. This is our hope today. He is our hope. If you're going to try to do this on your own, you'll be, you'll be lost in a second. Only because Christ has done it can you. Put your faith in him today. Come. Let's pray. Father, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Thank you for Christ who is wisdom who is life, who is our hope and our help. This morning, we look to him. We look to your son, our savior, by grace, through faith. In Jesus' name.